when you're at that stage, or maybe even ideally before you're at that stage, is to take advantage of your career services on your campus. Um, there are trained professionals there who are eager to help you um, talk it out, strategize, come up with incremental goals to get to where you want to be. So I, I, I was remiss that I didn't mention that before. That's that there's, there is a support system for you right there at your career center. Hi, everyone. It's Marcy Bullock. Welcome back to season three of Wolfpack Career Chats, the anchor season. A, ambition. N, networking. C, compassion. H, health, both mental and physical. O, organization. And R, resilient. Enjoy the pod. Hello, Wolfpack fans. It's Marcy Bullock today with the podcast, and I'm so excited to have Suzanne Helbig. Um, She is the Associate Vice Provost for the Division of Career Pathways at the University of California, Irvine. Welcome, Suzanne. Oh, thank you, Marcy. I'm so happy to be here. So happy to be talking with your your fans. We're so happy to have you. You know, I'm from the West Coast, so I always feel like you lead the way. You're the trailblazers, <laughs> and I've been admiring your work for a while now. And I'd love to have you tell our listeners just a little bit about your own career journey and how you got to where you are today. Oh, sure. Um, well, I have been involved in career services since I was an undergraduate student. So like many students, I had a campus job and mine was at the Career Development Center um, at Indiana University. And I was so impressed with what I saw happening there, um, helping people transform their lives. I, I was like, wow. And a, a you know vibrant environment like a campus. Couldn't think of anything better. Um, however, I did try a couple jobs and came back to career services. And um, so I, I then got my first professional job at UNLV's Career Center, was there for two years, then went to UC Berkeley's Career Center for a whopping 13 years. I did every role possible there except to become a director because it just simply wasn't open. And so when a, when a, a position became open at UC Irvine to become the director, I, I jumped on it. I got to stay in the UC system and uh, work with students that I love. Um, so my path, unlike a lot of folks, is very linear. I, I got that early exposure to the field and fell in love with it. Um, and I'm, I'm so happy. Um, that I've been in it for so long and seen so many iterations and changes and, um, and it's a really exciting place to be. That's really exciting. You have so much experience at various universities and we have, we're kindred spirits. I'm listening to your story thinking the same thing because I am a UC San Diego graduate and I worked in the career center. Oh, we're wow. such geeks, you know, yeah. you and I, and it's, it's not that way for most students. It's right. most students are really trying to find their path. So would love you to dig into a little bit of your advice for students that are starting their college journey and how they can figure out what they're meant to do in the world. Yeah. Well, um, this might sound overly simplistic, but to figure out what to do, you have to do stuff. Yep. <laughs> so, so I, you know, I think um, there's a lot to be said for, you know, researching different careers, different career paths, um, 
et cetera. Um, but I think what makes the research meaningful is to go out and try things and do things, try things on for size. So, um, as a student, I would highly recommend, um, getting involved and getting involved in some things that you know you're interested in, but maybe also doing some things that are, are outside of your, your, your knowledge zone or your comfort zone, getting exposed to different people, um, work styles, but definitely, um, need to get out of the classroom and, you know, enhance your campus experience by, um, you know, an excellent on-campus job, internships. Um, if you can't commit to something like that, something that's emerged in the past couple of years are micro internships. So project-based learning, um, there's so, oh, there's just so many things you can do. Um, but that is the key. You need to, you need to do them. Um, you can't kind of, I think I, you can't kind of think your way into a job. You need to get out there, um, build those skills, build that, the, those networks and really get to know what it is that, that does it for you. Um, but it's really hard to just think on it. Got to get out, put yourself out there, stretch yourself, take some of those opportunities that maybe provoke some excitement and a mixture of, of fear <laughs> that that way, you know, that you're stretching yourself, you're doing something to, to grow. Absolutely. Taking some risks and, and testing the waters out a little bit. And this year it's been hard to do that yes. because we know some students have, um, you know, received offers. They've been reneged because of the pandemic and, and people I think are a little bit paralyzed about what, yeah. well, what should I be doing if I didn't get an offer for an internship? What suggestions do you have for that group? Um, I'd say there's, there beyond internships, there's so many ways to continue your learning and building your networks. Um, so, you know, there's still um, parallel things you can be doing with an internship. Um, there's your student clubs on campus. Many of them are, are oriented towards different professions um, that they, they can help you make connections with the professional world and learn about those opportunities that might not be readily apparent from a website. Um, there's volunteering. There's research. Um, there's, as I was mentioning before, the micro-internship option of a, a smaller um, weeks-long project. Um, so there's there's always ways to continue your learning. Um, at the same time, I, you know, I, I, I know that um, the anxiety, the, the feelings of, of um, can I keep going are real. And so along with, you know, all this stuff I'm telling you to do, um, something you need to do is have your support system and, you know, attend to your wellness. Um, take a walk get good sleep, get good nutrition, those things that you got to take care of yourself first before you can really put yourself out there. And that's so important right now. 
I agree. I know you and I have both seen college campuses around the nation be hit by a mental health crisis, yes. and it's it's really been heartbreaking. So I'm I'm happy that you mentioned that. We always want to remind our students that we have our counseling center and that we have a lot of opportunities for support. Mm-hmm. I like the notion you said about research, about getting involved in volunteering, extracurricular activities. All of those are so important. And for someone that has done that and they're getting close to that senior year and mm-hmm. thinking about maybe where they'll they'll go in their career path since your career pathways, what do you think about the future of work? So much has changed. Yeah. Well, you know, one thing I didn't say that that I is a piece of advice is when you're when you're at that stage or maybe even ideally before you're at that stage is to take advantage of your career services on your campus. Um, there are trained professionals there who are eager to help you um, talk it out, strategize, come up with incremental goals to get to where you want to be. So I, I I was remiss that I didn't mention that before. That's that there's there is a support system for you right there at your career center. Absolutely. Um, and I'll, I'll just jump into to yeah. plug that where I work. And I'm glad you said it is that students, you can log on to EPAC to schedule appointments with your career coaches. You can see all the virtual events and personal events we think will start happening in the fall semester yeah. when you're listening to this. So check out the website, see all of the different employers that are visiting campus, as well as the support that's available to you. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, it's easy as just Googling EPAC on the NC State webpage. So let's hear about where you think the future of work mm-hmm. is going for the college graduate. Well, um, I think it's interesting when you talk to um, employers who do a lot of the, what's called the early career hiring. Um, that's hiring of, of you know college graduates for their typically for their first full time job. And um, they are a little up in the air <laughs> about what the future of work is going to look like. So. I think we're all still um, figuring it out together. You know, we we've had um, a workforce that was almost a hundred percent in person. We many um, workplace sectors, not all, but many pivoted to a hundred percent virtual. And now the look of what's coming next is going to be a mixture of those things, and it just it's it's um, without precedent. So. Um, that that's immediate. So I, I think um, what we're looking at for the future of work is a lot of um, options and flexibility in terms of where and when work is done. Um, different employers will approach that differently. Some think it's important for their their new hires to be on site to kind of learn the the company culture in a firsthand way and then transition to remote work later. Others will start remote. Um, I do think that employers are awakening um, to the uh, expectations and needs of college graduates. And I'm, and I'm referring back to mental health. I think that employers recognize that attending to employer wellness is important and more and more of them are going to be um, making that a priority. And it's something that should be normalized that can be asked about um, as you're looking for work. Um, Yeah. So I don't have a crystal ball, but it's just going to be a a new hybrid 
of, of the last year and a half that we've seen? How do you combine um, the virtual and the in-person to um, come up with the best um, way to staff your organization? I, I just think folks are figuring that out. It does. Well, you know, one thing is um, when we've looked at how many job postings we've had over this past year, I I forget the percentage, but it, it went up rather dramatically. And that is because so many employers are now open to hiring folks um, beyond their beyond their vicinity. Um, so that's another part of the future of work. If you're potentially working for a place where the headquarters is across the country. So lots of new options and flexibility, I think, are what, what you're going to see. Good point, Suzanne. And, you know, I've even heard about Zoom towns where students live because they're working remotely. And that brings up an issue about how to set some boundaries Mm. because you have your laptop open. There's work happening all the time. Have you had any success at setting your own boundaries? And if so, um, how do you do that when you've been virtual? Yeah. Um, So... A couple things um, that that I've done and my staff have done are um, so our typical work day is kind of you know eight to five ish. Um, at five, we close all our tabs. Like if we're going to stay on the computer, close all your tabs and open a new window so you don't see your notifications coming up. Um, that that's one simple thing that we've done. Um, at UCI, um, it's they've automatically set um, meetings to end ten minutes earlier than you want them to end. <laughs> if I put uh-huh. an hour on my on my calendar, it automatically gets moved to fifty minutes to to give kind of some of that wiggle room between meetings. Um, another thing that I've done personally is. Um, I take my evening commute, um, which, you know, is not in my car. I go out and I go on a walk at five and it kind of does this break between the work day and the rest of the day. I also always change my clothes. <laughs> so I take the work day off and, you know, put the home, the home day on. So th- those are a couple, couple things that, that I've, I've been doing some of my staff have been doing good tips, good tips, because it's hard when you don't have that transition from the drive and and just, okay, now I'm in my personal life. Yeah. I'd say, you know, it's, it's, um, if you get an internship or a job, um, we've always for, you know, many years said, talk to your supervisor about expectations and I think you can have an open conversation. I mean, you can judge the judge the, judge it for yourself, but I think you can have an open conversation about expectations around communication protocols. So, you know, um, if you know my workday ends at five, and am I can I really end my workday at five and not respond to an email, or just kind of having that 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 open communication about what's expected. Um, and, and advocating um, for your wellness and what you would like. 
You're right. That's not taboo. There's no stigma around that because no one can give back professionally if they're struggling personally, just can't focus. Um, A transition I wanted to move into because I know one of the topics that you were very excited about is empowering your staff Mm -hmm. to thrive and do their best work. And that would be great for you to elaborate on because I know many of our listeners may in the future be a boss of someone. How do you get people motivated and excited on your team? Mm, Yeah, I, I, um, that's a great question. I mean, part of it goes back to what we were just talking about, which is, um, being a, a a model of, of wellness and self-care. So, um, I, my, my, I've been very clear with my staff around, you know, when, the workday is over, the workday is over. Um, and then I, I just think that's so important. Um, we've made it clear to staff that um, if they need a mental health day, um, please, please do what you need to do to take care of yourself. Um, so we're really trying to attend to some, some wellness um, aspects and encouraging and modeling self-care. Um, beyond that, I think that um, staff, generally speaking, like autonomy in the way that they um, go about their work. You know, as a leader, you might set the vision and some strategies, but then letting people figure out how to carry them out in their own way that makes sense to them um, is very important. Um, giving staff a voice um, to inform the strategies and the tactics. Um, very important. We just had an all day retreat yesterday on those topics. Um, appreciation, giving, giving genuine, warm appreciation for the, the hardships. Um, many people are encountering the challenges yet they're still committed and dedicated to, to career services. And they've been so innovative and, and, um, Genuine appreciation for that um, is so important. So those are those are just a couple of things, um, but really, really caring about people and having empathy for the different situations that different individuals are encountering, and and you know how can we work together um, to create the best conditions for them to do do their work. Sounds like you're such a genuine person as a boss that 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 carries into really the staff trusting you, wanting to do their best. Um, that's fantastic. What do you do if there is a performance challenge on your team? How do you handle that? Uh, great question. My practice is to you know approach that from a stance of curiosity. Um, so. If I, you know, notice a performance issue, I would, I would say um, something like, "Hey, um, uh, can we chat for a moment? Um, I've been noticing A, B, and C, and I just want to check in with you and um, see if you can help me understand what's what's happening here. Just kind of a like, start with an open statement, and then, and then." Um, actively listen. Don't be listening to respond, but but actually hear what they have to say and, and draw it out. And oftentimes it comes down to a, a communication gap. It's 
when in doubt, talk it out. <laughs> um, this usually resolves about 90% of issues. Um, yeah. And then, you know, maybe agreeing on um, some behaviors for the future. So, you know, if, if the person is like um, going through something, just the, the expectation is like, oh, you know, just, just, just keep me informed. Just, you know, just let me know what's going on. How about we check in in about a week or so and see how things are going? So usually we're fantastic. Yeah. Just talking it out and keeping the communication lines open. Mm -hmm. And when you're virtual, sometimes things can get misunderstood. For sure. And that's one of the <laughs> things that I like about the energy of being back in person. So I know we're yes. all crossing our fingers that we're heading in that direction. Right. Well, listen, we are at our last question. Time has come. Wow. Um, we're going to get in our time machine, move 20 years into the future to the older, wiser Suzanne Helbig. What do you need to hear today from her? I knew you were going to ask this question and it's still, it's still a tough one. I would say what I need to hear is cultivate, um, as a leader, cultivate a balance of leading with empathy and leading for results. I, I can um, sometimes get a little off balance and be uh, results focused, um, but that's really short-sighted and uh, uh, really cultivating um, a, a, a leadership empathy um, approach. Is, Suzanne, you need to work on that a little bit more. Very good. Thank you for chatting today. Oh, sure. This is